Hey, I'm Michael, online pastor at Silverdale Baptist Church, and I'm excited to welcome you to our podcast. Now, after you listen to this episode, I hope you'll stick around for just a moment. I'll be sharing about some resources we have for you, as well as a few things going on at Silverdale right now that we would love for you to be a part of. Now, I really hope this podcast is just what you need today to help you in your relationship with Jesus. Good morning. Welcome to Silverdale Baptist Church. It's so awesome to see all of you here worshiping with us today. Uh, I'd like to welcome all of you here at our Bonnie Oaks campus. Also, like to welcome those of you that are our Creekside service or our um, um, North Udawa campus or St. Elmo campus or our New Bridges service or all of you that may be worshiping online. If I haven't had a chance to meet you personally, I'm Tony Wallace. I'm one of the pastors here, and I have the privilege today to share with you God's Word. So this is what I encourage you to do. Go ahead and take your Bibles and open up New Testament to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 16. You have a smartphone, you can open that app to Matthew 16 as well. And then do this, take out these Bible study outlines that we provide for you. And um, we give you these so you can follow along and take notes, but it's especially important today because we'll be looking at a number of verses across the New Testament. So I just encourage you to follow along and take notes on these outlines. As you know, we are in a series called Reasons to Believe. And what we're doing is we're giving you some evidences, some proof for our faith. You don't have to put your brain on hold when you come to church. There's evidences. And so what we saw the very first week, I give you the, the proof or evidences for the existence of God. There really is a God. And then the second week, I talked about the Bible and how do we know that this really is the Word of God and why is it that we can trust the Bible? And today we're going to talk about, is Jesus the Son of God? I mean, we say as Christians that Jesus is the Son of God. How do we know that Jesus is the Son of God? In fact, when you think about Jesus in our world, Jesus is the most loved and the hated per most hated person in all of, you know, the world. I mean, either you love Jesus or you sort of hate him. I mean, the name Jesus comes from the Old Testament, Joshua or Yeshua, which means that Yahweh brings salvation. Jesus was born roughly a little over 2,000 years ago in a small little village to a teenage girl who claims that she was a virgin who conceived by the Holy Spirit. He was adopted by this man named Joseph, who was a carpenter, so he swung a hammer for a living. And so Jesus, most likely in the first 30 years of his life, was also a carpenter. That means that he probably had calluses on his hands and a tool belt around his waist. And then at the age of 30, Jesus revealed himself who he was to humanity. He starts teaching and preaching and, and does a whole lot of miracles all around in the nation of Israel. And he reveals himself that he claims to be the promised Messiah and the Son of God, and it got him killed. Now, um, when you look at Jesus' resume, it doesn't really seem all that impressive. He, he never traveled more than 200 miles. He, he never wrote a book. He had no political office. 
He, um, he basically, you know, he was never married, never had any children, never had sex. He, he never traveled, you know, beyond, you know, you know, the nation of Israel. He, he never went to the big city like Rome. And so he, whenever he died, he was both poor and homeless. And yet, there's never been a man that has affected humanity more than Jesus Christ. There's more songs that have been sung about him and to him. More architecture and art and paintings that have been done for him. In fact, we divide our calendar based on his life. B.C., before Christ, A.D., Anno Dominion, which means, you know, the year of the Lord. And so, literally, our calendar is divided by his life. And there's about three billion people on this planet that worship him today as God, the Son of God. And so the question is, do you believe he's the Son of God? Well, I want us to see a passage that took place in the height of Jesus' ministry. Jesus gathers his disciples, and he asks them a very important question, and it's the very same question you must answer today. Look at it. It's found in Matthew chapter 16, beginning verse 13. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he was asking his disciples, who do people say that I am? And the son of man is. Now, the term son of man, that was Jesus' favorite title of himself. It's taken from the book of Daniel, talking about the Messiah. So that's how Jesus describes himself as the son of man. Who is, who is the son of man? And they said, some say John the Baptist, obviously raised from the dead. Others, Elijah, but still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ the son of the living God. Now, from our passage, we see that there's a number of different opinions about Jesus Christ, a lot of different things that people believed. A lot of people believed, okay, you're, you're just a prophet, Jesus, or maybe a prophet raised from the dead. Obviously, the apostle Peter, he says Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. So who is Jesus? Now, in today's culture and pop culture today, you know, you, you see Jesus everywhere. And, and, you know, you have like on the animation television hit, South Park, Jesus makes regular appearances. Many times he's, you know, whipping up on Satan. And, and, you know, reality TV, you got the Kardashians, and they're praying to Jesus. My favorite television show about Jesus is The Chosen, which sort of talks a lot about the humanity of Jesus Christ. But besides television, Jesus makes it on the big screen in movies. I mean, there's been close to 200 movies about Jesus. Obviously, blockbuster movies like The Passion of Jesus Christ, to really strange movies, weirdest movie about Jesus was a kung fu horror musical called Jesus Christ Vampire Hunter. Yes, it really does exist. Um, there was a movie called Talladega Nights, the ballad of Ricky Bobby, where you have Will Ferrell who prays to the eight pound, six ounce baby Jesus in golden fleece diapers. Well, you also, did you know that there are, you know, wrestlers for Jesus. There is the Christian Wrestling Foundation, and they say, we wrestle for Jesus. Uh, I mean, musically, you have rappers to rockers who have sung about Jesus. You, um, you have in sports, you know, anybody that, you know, wins a game, scores a touchdown, makes a three-pointer shot, they will give praise and honor and thanks to their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It seems like Jesus is everywhere, right? But what do people really believe about Jesus? What do you really believe about Jesus Christ? When it comes to the world religions, you know, a lot of people will go, well, aren't all religions basically teaching the same thing? Not when it comes to Jesus. 
Buddhists will say, okay, Jesus is sort of, you know, an enlightened human, sort of like Buddha. I mean, you have, you know, Hinduism will say that Jesus, you know, had the divine spark, sort of like Krishna. You know, Muslims, they will say that Jesus Christ is a prophet, but a lesser prophet than their prophet, the prophet Muhammad. You have a lot of groups that broke away from Orthodox Christianity. We call them cults. I mean, you have groups like the Jehovah Witnesses. They'll say that Jesus was Michael, the archangel, who was a created being and became a man. Uh, You have the Mormons who say that Jesus is the half-brother of Lucifer, who became a polygamous man and now, you know, is a God who rules a universe. Um, Scientology, they say that Jesus is the implant forced upon Thetan about a million years ago. You may go, Pastor Tony, can you explain that? I cannot. I've never taken LSD, so I do not know (laughs) what that means, okay? I mean, think about it. Scientology was basically invented a religion by a science fiction writer. So again, there's all these different opinions out there about who actually Jesus Christ is. So who is Jesus? Now, if somebody was saying all these different things about you, wouldn't you like to speak for yourself? This is who I am. Well, that's what we're going to do today. We're going to hear from Jesus, okay? So jot that on your outline. Who is Jesus according to Jesus? Who is Jesus according to to Jesus. Is Jesus a good man? Is Jesus God? Is he the half-brother of Lucifer? Is he a prophet? Is he a truth teller? Is he a liar? Let's let Jesus speak for himself. And what we'll discover as you study the New Testament, especially the Gospels, what you'll discover that Jesus over and over and over again says that he is the Son of God. He says that he is the one who has come down from heaven from God. And so what I want to do today, I want to show you five different claims that Jesus made that infer that he is the son of God. So John, this only outline. Number one, first of all, Jesus said that he came down from heaven. Jesus claims that he came down from heaven. Heaven is God's throne, home, and he says he came from there. Look at it in John chapter six, verse 38. For I have come down from heaven. That's Jesus's words. Therefore, the Jews were grumbling about him. They were saying, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I've come down out of heaven, right? I mean, they're basically, you know, they're like, wait a minute, Jesus. We know you grew up in Nazareth. We've seen you. We know your mom and dad, your siblings, your brother, right, and and your sister. We, We know all about you. And they're like, hey, didn't you go to school with him in third grade? I mean, didn't he play second base on your little league team? I mean, we know you, Jesus. How in the world do you claim that you come down from heaven? That's just crazy talk, right? Now, where is heaven? Heaven is God's throne room, God's home. And Jesus is making this claim that he is not an ordinary man, that he actually comes down from heaven to earth. Now, there's, that's a big difference than, you know, people that claim to go up to heaven, right, and get a little glimpse of heaven. You have the, um, the Muslim prophet uh, Muhammad, and he claims that in Jerusalem, in fact, the Dome of the Rock is there memorializing this event, that he was taken up to heaven by the angel Gabriel, and um, he went all the way into the throne room of Allah, and there Allah told him to start praying five times a day, Okay. But Jesus' claim is much bigger than that. Jesus doesn't claim that he goes up there and gets a little glimpse of heaven. No, Jesus says, hey, I lived in heaven, and I've come down to earth to tell you how to get to heaven. You see, that's the big difference between Christianity and all other religion. See, all other religions basically is man's attempt 
through his religious good works to make himself be able to get up to heaven. And God says, "Eh, that ain't ever going to work. The only way you're going to get to heaven is I have to come down to you and reveal the only way to heaven, and that is through Jesus Christ. And so Jesus, he makes this big claim. He claims to be from heaven. Second thing that Jesus claims, jot this down. Jesus said that he could forgive sin. Jesus claims that he could forgive sins. There's a lot of religions that will say that they can, you know, help with the, um, the effects of sin, right? You, you go to a Catholic priest and make your confessional or, you know, if you're, um, you know, a Muslim, you, you make your pilgrimage to Mecca there and, and go around the Tabal there or, you know, if you're a Hindu, you go wash in the Gandhi's River. If you're Mormon, you get baptized in one of their temples and, and that'll somehow take care of some of your sin. And Jesus says, look, you don't have to do any of that stuff. You just need to come to me. Because I'm the one who will give you forgiveness of sins. Incredible claim. Jesus made it multiple times. Let me show you one passage. Luke chapter 5, verse 20. Seeing their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven you. The scribes and the Pharisees begin to reason, saying, who is this man who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? You see, their conclusion is true. They're like, hey, wait a minute. How can Jesus say that he can forgive sin? God alone can forgive sin. Now, why is that? Because all of our sin ultimately is against God. I mean, let's just say that you stole your your neighbor's um, car and then you totaled it. And then a few weeks later, you get a little remorse and you come to me and you go, you know, Pastor Tony stole that car. I'm so sorry. Would you please forgive me? And I'm like, I can't forgive you for stealing that guy's car. You need to go to him. He's the one that you've offended and sinned against, and you need to ask for his forgiveness. Well, it's the same way with God. All of our sin is ultimately against God. And so for anybody to claim that they could forgive sins, they are claiming they have the position of God. Jesus claimed to forgive sins. There's a third claim that Jesus makes. Jot this down. Jesus said that he will judge all of humanity. We all know we're going to die one day, and the Bible says after that is the judgment. Did you know that you're going to stand before Jesus? That's what Jesus claims. Look at it. Matthew chapter 25, verse 31. Jesus says, when the Son of Man, there's his favorite title of himself, comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. You go, what? Jesus is claiming he's going to come again. He's going to have a bunch of angels with him, and he's going to sit on the throne? Yeah, then what happens? We'll look at it. Verse 32, before him will be gathered all the nations and will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. Jesus is saying, when you die, you're going to stand before the throne of God and the one sitting on the throne is none other than Jesus Christ himself. See, Jesus is claiming to be God. Next claim, fourth claim Jesus makes is this. Shut this down. Jesus said he was the eternal I am God. Jesus claims to be the eternal I am God. Now, let me set this up for you. In the book of Exodus, you have this encounter between Moses and God in the burning bush. And Moses has this conversation with God. And Moses says, Lord, what is your name? And God says, my name is I am I am, and it became, I am became the holiest name in the Jewish faith. They wouldn't even say it. Why? Because it was too holy to say. Jesus then takes this 
I am, that means that God is the, the pre-existent one. He's the eternal one. He is the I am God. Jesus takes that claim, that title of I am, and he uses it for himself. Let me show it to you in John chapter 8, verse 56. Jesus says, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, you're not yet 50 years old. <clears throat> and, 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 you, and have you seen Abraham? And Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was born, I am. Let me pack this, unpack this for you. I mean, imagine this. So these Jewish people, they're saying, hey, we worship God just like Abraham did. And Jesus said, you know who Abraham worshiped? Me. Do you remember in the book of Genesis where God comes and visits Abraham and Abraham worships him? Well, Jesus is saying, that was me. And you go, wait a minute, how can that be? You're not even 50 years old, Jesus. Abraham lived 2,000 years ago. How can you claim to have seen Abraham? And then Jesus says, well, here's the deal. Before Abraham was born, I am. He takes the eternal name of God, I am. You go, well, how in the world did they respond to that? Check it out. Look at it in verse 59. Therefore, they picked up stones to throw at him. They wanted to kill him. Why? Because that's blasphemy. For any human to claim to be God, well, that's blasphemy in the Old Testament. Well, what happens? You get stoned. Jesus is claiming to be God. Fifth example of how Jesus claims this is this. Number five, Jesus said he was one with the Father. He was one with the Father. Now, the Jews believe that there's one God, God and Father, who's over all of humanity. Jesus claims to be one with this being, that he is, in essence, God. Look at how Jesus says this in John chapter 10, verse 28. Jesus says, I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, which is an incredible statement just by itself. Here's Jesus claiming that he gives eternal life to people, really? And then you go, how in the world can you make that claim, Jesus? We'll look at it, verse 30. I and the Father are one. He's calling himself equal to God the Father. How did the people listening to this respond? Well, check it out, verse 31. The Jews picked up stones again to stone him. And Jesus answered them, I showed you many good works from the Father, for, for which of them are you stoning me? The Jews answered him, for a good work we do not stone you, but you blasphemy. And, and because you, being a man, make yourself out to be God. Jesus said, hey, you guys are keep trying to kill me. Why are you trying to kill me? And they said, because you keep claiming to be God. Now, here's the deal. All the other religions, Krishna, Muhammad, Buddha, they never claimed to be God. In fact, they said they were not God. And yet Jesus Christ, over and over again, he claims to be God. I mean, can you imagine going to a party? Somebody's got a name tag, God, right? You go, you're a nut job. There's no way that you're, you're God. Well, Jesus Christ claimed to be God. And not only that, he did it in all these different ways. In other ways, he, said, he told people, pray to me as God. He, he claimed to be sinless like God. He claimed that all the angels belonged to him. He, he said that he's the only way to heaven, that Jesus said, I have all authority on heaven and on earth. Jesus is making all these incredible claims. He kept claiming to be God. Now, here's the deal. The religious leaders, they were fed up with Jesus and all his claims. And so they said, we need to arrest him and kill him. And so they said, okay, before we can do that, we need to have a trial. 
And we need to ask him. Maybe, maybe we misunderstood him. Maybe we didn't really understand what he was saying, so we need, to, we need to bring him in. And so they bring him before the Sanhedrin. Bring him before the Sanhedrin, which is sort of the Supreme Court of their day. And um, they put Jesus under an oath. They said, we, you must swear to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth, so help yourself, right? And so what is, here's the question they asked Jesus. Mark 14, 61. The high priest was questioning him and saying to him, are you the Christ, the son of the blessed one? What does Jesus say? And Jesus said, I am. And then he quotes Daniel 7. And you will see the son of man seated at the right hand of power, coming with clouds of heaven. Tearing his clothes, the high priest said, what further need do we have of witnesses? You have heard the blasphemy. See, Jesus Christ was crucified. Why? Well, it wasn't because he hung out with tax collectors and sinners. It wasn't because of his teaching. It wasn't because of his nice parables. No, Jesus was crucified because he kept claiming to be God. That's why they crucified him. And so the question still remains. Okay, Jesus claims to be the son of God. Was he? Well, let's answer that question. Jot this on your outline. Why should I believe that Jesus is the son of God? Why believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Let me explain to you why I believe Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus obviously believed it. Jesus obviously claimed it. Why should we believe it? Three things. Number one, first of all, Jesus fulfilled the prophecies. Jesus Christ alone fulfilled all the Old Testament prophecies about the Son of God, the Messiah. See, I shared this with you last week. One of the big evidences why you can know that the Bible really is the word of God is because it contains fulfilled prophecies. There's like 3,000 prophecies that were predicted and then came true. We know this is really the word of God because there's no other book that has fulfilled prophecies in it, right? Well, do you know who fulfilled more prophecies than anyone else? Jesus Christ himself. Close to over 300 prophecies in the Old Testament Jesus Christ fulfilled. Let me give you just a few. I've put them on your outline. Isaiah 9, 7 predicted that he would be from the lineage of King David. Micah 5, 2, that he'd be born in Bethlehem. Isaiah 9, 1, that he would minister in Galilee. Isaiah 35, that he would minister with miracles. Psalm 78, he would teach with parables. Psalm 41, that he would be betrayed by a friend. Zechariah 11, 12, they'd be sold for 30 pieces of silver. Zechariah 13, 7, he'd be forsaken by his disciples. Psalm 35, 11, he'd be accused of false witnesses. Isaiah 53, 7, he'd be wounded and bruised. Isaiah 56, he'd be beaten and spit upon. Psalm 22, 7, he would be mocked. Psalm 22, 16, his hands and feet would be pierced. That's crucifixion. Isaiah 53, 12, he'd be crucified with criminals. Psalm 22, 18, they would cast lots for his garments. Zechariah 12, 10, his side would be pierced. Isaiah 53, 9, he'd be buried in a rich man's tomb. In Psalm 16, 2, he'd be resurrected from the dead. And here's the deal. Jesus fulfilled all of those, plus many, 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 many more. Now, last week, I shared with you, I'm not going to go through the whole study again, but there was a study done, a probability study. What are the mathematical odds of one man just fulfilling eight of those prophecies? And I shared it with you. What was it? The odds are one in 10 to the 17th power. It's an astronomical number. It's a, it's a mathematical impossibility. And yet Jesus Christ fulfilled not eight, but over 300 of those prophecies. 
Do you understand? No one in human history has done that. Jesus Christ alone. And so Jesus Christ alone is the one who fulfills the prophecies. Second reason why I believe that Jesus is the son of God. Jot this down. Jesus' miracles attested to his claims. Jesus' miracles attested to his claims. See, Jesus is an amazing teacher. Nobody taught like Jesus ever taught. Jesus was an amazing leader, right? But you know what? One thing that Jesus did that set him apart, he worked miracles that nobody else had ever worked. And Jesus pointed to his miraculous signs as proof that he was who he claimed to be. Let me give you an example. In John chapter 10, look at what it says. Jesus says this in verse 36. Jesus says, you say you're blaspheming because I said I'm the son of God. If I do not do the works of my father, do not believe me. But if I do them, though you do not believe me, look at it, believe the works so that you may know and understand that the father's in me and I'm in the father. Here's another occasion where Jesus claims to be the son of God and they want to kill him. And basically Jesus says, look, look at my works. You may not believe what I'm telling you. It may be too hard for you to comprehend that I'm the son of God, but believe the works that I'm doing. Why? Because I'm doing miracles that no one has ever done before. I mean, over and over again, you can read the gospels and you see Jesus working incredible miracles. The gospel of Mark is the shortest gospel. And one third of that gospel, it has Jesus working these incredible miracles. I mean, even those that opposed to Jesus believed that he worked all these miracles. King Herod, a pagan king, whenever Jesus stood before him, he had heard of the miracles of Jesus and wanted Jesus to perform a miracle for him. Even the secular, you know, historian, first century historian, Josephus, this is outside the Bible. Whenever he talks about Jesus Christ, he says this man, if you can call him a man, Jesus was a doer of wonderful works. Jesus Christ did miracles that only God could do. You go like what? Let's see. He defies gravity and walks on water. He changes the chemical compounds of water and turns it into wine. He, he cast out demons. He rebukes the wind and the waves and the storms. He's, he has power over nature. I mean, any disease, every disease, Jesus healed them all. The lame walk, the blind see, the deaf hear. I mean, Jesus takes a boy's lunch and feeds 5,000 people from it. Jesus, on three occasions, raised somebody from the dead. Do you understand? Jesus worked miracles that only God could do. I mean, he had power over nature, power over creation, power over the demonic, power over sickness. He had the ability to read people's minds. He had the ability to predict the future and it would come true. He had the power to raise somebody from the dead. Only God could work those kind of miracles. And Jesus Christ said, if you don't believe me, believe the works I'm doing. They will convince you that I am who I am. So the second evidence of why I believe Jesus is the Son of God is the evidence of his signs and miracles. But the ultimate evidence that Jesus gives us that he is the Son of God is this. Jot this down. His resurrection. Jesus' resurrection proved his claims. Jesus' resurrection proves his claims. You see, either Jesus was raised from the dead or he was not. If Jesus is not raised from the dead, he's a false prophet. But if Jesus Christ truly did raise, raise from the dead, then he is who he claimed to be, which is the son of God. 
You see, whenever Jesus was doing all these things, religious leaders, they're all upset, and they're like, we need a sign, we need a sign. And we see that in the Gospel of John chapter 2. It says this, the Jews said to him, what sign do you show us as your authority for doing these things? And Jesus answered them, destroy this temple, and in three days, I'll raise it up. He was speaking of the temple of his body. Jesus had performed all these other miraculous signs. They said, we want another sign. And Jesus said, okay, I'm going to give you the ultimate sign. I'm going to make a prediction, a prophecy. One day you are going to destroy the temple of my body. And in three days, I'm going to rise again. And so guess what? They did that. They arrested Jesus Christ. They had him beaten beyond recognition. And then he was crucified. They destroyed the temple of his body. And while Jesus was dying for their sins, Jesus prayed for them, Father, forgive them. And then finally, Jesus died on the cross. And even the Roman soldier, the the centurion that witnessed this, was convinced by Jesus' death, truly, this man was the Son of God. And then they took Jesus' body down and they put him in a tomb. And then what do they do? They, they, They put a huge stone in front of the door. And then they posted a Roman guard around the tomb. And then they seal the tomb so no one could mess with it. And what do they do? They fulfilled Jesus' prediction. Destroy the temple of this body. There he was in the tomb. Day one goes by, nothing happens. Day two goes by, nothing happens. Day three comes. And oh, what a morning it was. On that first Easter Sunday morning, suddenly there was an earthquake, an angel appears, the stone was rolled away, and Jesus Christ appeared alive. He said, you destroy this temple of my body, in three days I'll rise again. And that's exactly what happened. And guess what? For the next 40 days, he showed himself alive. He showed himself alive to individuals and to groups and small groups, even large groups, as many as 500 people at one time. That'd be about a group this size. 500 people all saw Jesus Christ alive. He he met with women. He met with men. He he met with his followers. He met with skeptics like his brother James. And what did he say to them? He said, hear me speak. Touch me. Feel my wounds. I'm not some ghost. I am alive. And every one of them were radically transformed because they saw the resurrected Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is alive exactly as he predicted it was going to happen. And so you and I, we now have a choice. Jesus makes these outlandish claims. He claims to be from heaven. He claims to be the eternal I am God. He claims that he alone can forgive sins, that we are to pray to him, trust in him, give our lives to him, confess him as our Lord. And if we do, he'll guarantee a place in heaven for us. Have you confessed Jesus as the Christ, the son of the living God. You gotta make that choice. There was once an atheistic philosopher, his name was C.S. Lewis. He despised the Christian faith, but then after seeing the evidences of the faith, like what we've been sharing with you, he comes to that point of surrender to Jesus Christ, and then he makes this astounding statement. Look at what C.S. Lewis wrote. He said, you must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God or else he's a madman or something worse. You can shut him up as a fool. You can spit on him and kill him as a demon or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. I choose to call him Lord and God. You see, Jesus Christ is either a liar or he's a lunatic or he's Lord. 
because he alone fulfilled all the prophecies of the Old Testament, I believe he is the son of God. Because he performed miracles that no one had ever performed, that only God alone could perform, I believe he's the son of God. But I ultimately believe he's the son of God is because he rose again just as he said he was. Jesus is the son of God. Do you believe him as your Lord? Let's pray together. Gracious Lord, thank you so much for your word. And Lord, we want to truly honor you and follow you and love you as our Lord. And so Lord, I'm asking in Jesus' name that you speak through our hearts. You move in our lives. Lord, there's probably things in our life that we really have as our God and Lord above you. And so Lord, today, we lay all those things down before you and we confess, Jesus, we believe in you. You are our Lord and Savior. Help us respond to you now in Jesus' name, amen. Well, I hope this was helpful to you. If while listening, you realized you need to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to help you with that. You can connect with us by clicking the link in the show notes to our website and then clicking the connect card button. In our weekend worship services, we are in a sermon series called The Seven Commands of Christ. Jesus gave dozens of commands and as followers of Jesus, we should obey all of them. Over the next several weeks, we are focusing on seven that will change your life. We would love for you to join each week at one of our campuses, or you can attend online. You will find service times by clicking the link in the show notes to our website. You know, there's so many ways for you to get involved and be a part of what God is doing here at Silverdale, and we really want you to feel welcome and a part. So please, stay connected. Be sure to like and follow us on the different social media accounts. You'll find all the links in the show notes of this episode. And lastly, help us spread the word about this podcast. Take a moment to share this episode with your family and friends. Again, we appreciate you listening and hope you will join us again next time.